0: Hey everyone! I'm sorry it's been a few weeks. Uh, I know I've missed a few races. It's been very busy over here. I guess one of the first things I'll share is I have been doing a lot of content both online and also uh, going to Formula E and that included the London E-Prix very recently. Uh, That was amazing by the way and I will definitely do some sort of episode about the Formula E season It's wrapping up in uh, just over a week's time. The final race of the Formula E season is uh, gonna be in Seoul. And after that's done, I will do a wrap up for the the season. Also starting uh, next season for Formula E, there will be a lot more specific content for it. I know that this is a Formula One podcast, I have been talking about other sports like Formula E on here, but starting uh, next season, uh, season nine of Formula E, I will be doing uh, something a bit more specific and separate from this podcast. I will still keep doing this podcast, um, but I will separate out the Formula E and give it its own attention. So I'm very excited for that. I will uh, put an announcement on my Twitter and my Instagram as soon as that is ready. Given that it is now um, just past the halfway point for the Formula One season, the 2022 season, and it's now the summer break, I thought now would be a good opportunity to talk about a couple of things. First one will be the current driver market. And that will all be in this episode. I'm going to go over the recent drama that has happened in in the last week. And I'm also going to do a separate episode, a part two, as it were, just recapping and going over some of my favourite moments from the season so far. So today's episode is going to be about the driver market and the recent news. And I will release part two a recap of what's going on just before spa. So, uh, the driver market. Bit of context, but the summer holidays tend to spark what is now called silly season. And silly season comes about because um, we have this prolonged month off. It's a great opportunity for news to just be dropped and to just allow the public to consume that for the next few weeks. There's no media duties for the teams or the drivers for the next few weeks, and so it's quite a nice time to just drop a bomb and run away from it. And I don't think I've ever seen a snowball <laughs> quite as large as the one that we're seeing now. And it started with some news that I was not surprised to hear that Sebastian Vettel is retiring at the end of the season. Now, the reasons that he gave were, you know, to spend time with his family. I think that's one of the reasons for sure. I think the environmental side is also another part of it. I think that the idea of travelling to the number of races that Formula One travels to next year, it will be 24 races. Not only will that have a huge toll on him being away from his family and his young family at that, but also there's a huge environmental cost of flying thousands of people all around the world to run these events. As we know Sebastian is a huge environmental activist in his recent years as a driver, he has made it public that he isn't okay with a lot of what Formula 1 stands for from from an environmental perspective. He even went on BBC's Question Time, which if you're from outside of the UK is a kind of political panel show where the audience gets to ask really tough questions to its guests and often the guests are politicians and Sebastian Vettel went on this show as a guest and answered questions, uh, in my mind quite difficult questions, about hypocrisy. He talks about raising um, his children in a better world and I think Fiona Bruce, the host, said doesn't that make you a hypocrite? Being a Formula One driver, and he said, Yes, yes, it does. And I loved how frank he was. He got a lot of plaudits for how he behaved on that show. And alas, he is retiring from Aston Martin. I think he's been incredibly disappointed by Aston Martin, by the lack of pace and performance in that car. And so have his fans. Victory wise, ever since his Red Bull days, it has gone downhill for him. He had an amazing opportunity with Ferrari in 2018 and some of his own fault, making mistakes, but also down to, again, we've, we've talked about this already, some pretty terrible strategy decisions by Ferrari and some intervention by the FIA as well. Due to that mixture, he, he lost the best opportunity. I say 2018, I think it was also 2017 as well. I recall all of the advertising um, going up to that season was all around the race for five between Vettel and Hamilton, because they were both on four world championships at the time. Him leaving and him doing it in such a way where he not only created his Instagram finally after all these questions about, you know, why aren't you on social media? It says a lot about him that he does it on his terms. He didn't get a social media account. Because everyone was asking him. He waited until he had something to say. And I think that that sums up Sebastian Vettel entirely. So I'm a big fan of him. I have been for a number of years, despite you know, the old rivalry between him and uh, Hamilton and Button and all of the other drivers during his championship winning days. He is a top class driver and role model and i think the sport is is worse off without him that being said it triggered unsurprisingly a rather open question of who is going to take his seat i think there were rumours that it could have been everyone who, who was available from or everyone who was yet to announce their new contract but one person who i did not expect that seat to go to was Fernando Alonso, who just, I think it was four days later, on a Monday morning, the first Monday morning of the summer break, after the race had finished the day before, put on his Instagram that he will be joining Aston Martin on a multi-year deal. And I think From what I saw and from how I reacted, this sent the Formula One community, the motorsport community, into raptures. So here's my two cents as to how this went down, the initial reaction, the actual launch, and the deal. So some of what he said I thought was really interesting. He said, I have watched as the team has systematically attracted great people and winning pedigrees and I have become aware of the huge commitment to new facilities and resources at Silverstone. No one in Formula One today is demonstrating a greater vision and absolute commitment to winning and that makes it a really exciting opportunity for me. I thought that this was an incredible statement by the way. Regardless of the fallout of the drama, I thought this was one of the best statements I've ever read in Formula 1 because that this statement will be studied for years and we still won't know which part he was referring to. It to me is just full of easter egg. It's like a Taylor Swift music video. Like there's going to be stuff years later that we're going to look back at that statement and be like, oh, that's what he was talking about. Because I do not see a lot of what Fernando is referring to here. This Aston Martin team is clearly applying the energy and commitment to win. Win what? Last place? This is, I mean, again, it's a phenomenal statement. But there is clearly a lot of trust being put into Lawrence, uh, Lawrence Stroll, who owns the team, and clearly he is one heck of a salesperson. I do not disagree with the fact that he has a vision, but vision aside, whatever they're doing at Aston Martin right now is not working, and building a shiny new factory does not solve, fundamentally, people and process problems. I think that all of the problems that are going on at Aston Martin right now, as an outsider looking in, full disclaimer, I have no insight into the world of Aston Martin other than what I can see and also what I hear from other news sources. And from what I have read from other major sporting news sources, as in big motorsport media, the people at Aston Martin have not had a good year. They are not. Motivated, they are not happy. Lawrence Stroll is very, very heavily involved in a lot of things. This is all speculative, but it is heavily reported. And so for this statement to come out and kind of say the opposite in my mind, it is very unusual. But that being said, I know nothing about Alpine either, other than the fact that they have themselves had some personnel problems over the years with the. Very public, but they tried to keep it secret dismissal of not one, but two team principals over the last two years. But to me, the most obvious fallout of anything between Aston Martin and also Alpine was Otmar Safnauer, the former Aston Martin team principal, who quite publicly jumped ship from Aston to Alpine, taking BWT water with him he said that this was down to micromanagement and leadership failures. So whether Fernando agreed or not, but he clearly had a direct line into the drama that was going on at Aston Martin, and so for him to make that switch was shocking. That was shocking news for the community. I think it was also a shock on Monday morning for Aston Martin and Alpine, because When Fernando Alonso announced his move from Alpine to Aston Martin, there was no graphics ready. There was nothing from Aston Martin that particularly reflected the investment in design that they've been doing recently. You'll know if you follow Aston Martin on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, that they have put a huge amount of effort into their marketing into their graphics, their editing, their digital graphic design, their merchandise, their design team, their their production team, their digital team is the best in Formula One, in my opinion. And they had nothing ready. All they did was repost Fernando's uh, statement, literally just posted what Fernando said, but they had nothing ready to welcome him. And then a few days later, we found out again from Otmar Safnauer that he had only discovered that Fernando had signed with a rival team from his statement. So personally, I think that Fernando jumped the gun. Whether he did that deliberately or not, I have no idea. But he clearly waited until um, the first Monday of the break, dropped the bomb and then went on holiday to Greece. That caused a a lot of havoc. And as I said, I don't think that um, anyone knew that he was going to do this, maybe apart from his immediate team. So as I may or may not have just alluded then from my public criticism of Aston Martin's year so far, I think this is a step backwards for Fernando. I agree that the new uh, factory, the new facilities in in Silverstone seem uh, to be exciting, and that will certainly help the team progress, but it isn't due to open until next year, and a lot of the benefits from that will probably not be felt until the year after. I guess that's why he wanted a multi-year contract. So it is, in my mind, obvious that Fernando will eventually see some of the benefits of that. Part of me hopes that he can see something that we can't. And again, I've been very open with the fact that I do not have an inside line into Aston Martin. I, I know that they have a phenomenal marketing team. I know that they have a lot of money, but reflected by the communication gap with Fernando posting this, there is clearly some basic processes that are not happening at Aston Martin right now. All right, the next part of this drama, because it is continuing, this is going to be a longer episode than I thought it was going to be. And that is, of course, who fills Fernando's seat at Alpine? And of course, the obvious choice, is Oscar Piastri. If you recall, uh, I interviewed Oscar back at the Autosport Awards earlier this year, and from what I could see, he was very disappointed to have not gotten a seat. I have a feeling that he was very close and that you know, it was just through circumstance. So as a brief reminder, here is a very short clip of what Oscar said about not getting a seat for this season. It's not the end of the world. Obviously, I would have loved to have been on the grid full time, but... Um, I think it's been proven time and time again that uh, a year out is, is you know, not uh, a career killer. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to trying to get as much experience as I can away from racing uh, and uh, yeah, try and use it for hopefully when I'm on the grid. Oscar Piastri, of course, won Formula Two last year. He's seen as a top talent in the world of Formula One, uh, a potential talent and someone who is probably going to have a, a very successful career ahead of them. He has had to sit on the sidelines as the Alpine reserve driver. And there were rumours not long ago that Alpine were looking to do some sort of loan movement with Piastri, potentially with Williams and potentially replacing Nicholas Latifi. So the rumour was that he could do a loan deal, spend a year at Williams, do a kind of George Russell, you know, learn the ropes, learn how to drive in a difficult car and then come to a good team and actually really smash it out of the park. The general feeling was that Alpine were impressed with Fernando. They wanted to re-sign him. And we know from Ottmar that they were negotiating a new contract for Fernando Alonso. So it would have worked out really well. Having another year of Ocon and Alonso at Alpine and their next driver, their reserve driver, finally getting some racing experience at a Formula One team at Williams. Maybe 2024 comes along. Perhaps Ocon gets a new deal elsewhere. Maybe Fernando decides to retire again. Who knows? But then they could have brought Oscar back. He would have had some experience. Everything would have been rosy for Alpine. And so, what did they do? They announced it. They said, breaking news Oscar Piastri will drive for Alpine next year. And uh, I remember getting the message from my mum. And she said, woo, this is great news. And I uh, didn't have time to respond. Uh, And then within a few hours, she went, ah, it's not happening. Because a mere four hours later, (laughs) a very, I imagine tired Oscar Piastri wrote a post on his Instagram saying, I understand without my agreement, Alpine F1 have put out a press release late this afternoon that I am driving for them next year. This is wrong, and I have not signed a contract with Alpine for 2023. I will not be driving for Alpine next year. That sent, I mean, if you, if, you know, everything from Vettel retiring, Alonso surprising everyone by announcing Aston Martin, and then not only confirming that Piastri will be racing, but for Piastri himself to deny this publicly was shocking. The whole, the whole week, this, this, all this had happened in less than a week. And as I said, I don't think I've ever seen drama like this in Formula One. I think it can be compared to, you know, the Button 2004 saga, maybe um, Benetton uh, Jordan going for Schumacher. This to me is like top-notch drama and there will probably be a very long episode of Drive to Survive. This is gold dust for Netflix, by the way. They are going to Flip over (laughs) to to cover this episode, but they always seem to not do it justice either. As over dramatised as Drive to Survive is, I always find that they miss the actual like heart of the situation. Yeah, so I feel like this has been an incredibly crazy week. And if you thought that I was done, I'm not. I've got one more bombshell to drop. I'm sure you have seen all of this anyway, but this is just my two cents on it. But yesterday, Autosport came out with an article stating that according to their sources, Daniel Ricciardo has been told by McLaren that Oscar Piastri will be taking his seat next year and that they are looking to find a way to get him out of his current McLaren contract. I don't think... I can take a huge amount more of that, and this, and this is partly why it's been. It's taken me a little bit of time to do an episode, uh, because I started to record a recap, and within a day I was like, "Okay, this is no longer the news. I'm going to have to wait and see how this unfolds." Did I think that a week later we would be talking about McLaren trying to buy out Daniel Ricciardo's contract? No, I did not, and I would have. Tried to work backwards to figure out how that was the case, and I would not have gotten to Alonso being the trigger. That is for sure. Of all the news that we've heard this week, that is the most unconfirmed, right? Like we know Vettel is retiring. Fact. Alonso is moving. Fact. Alpine posted something incorrect. Fact. Piastri responded. Fact. Piastri going to McLaren and McLaren having to buy out Daniel Ricciardo's contract. Rumours. Full, solid rumours. And don't forget, there was still another rumour that Piastri was going to go to Williams. That, to me, is also equally possible. So we'll have to wait and see. But how must this feel for young Oscar? Not only is he being fought over, which must be amazing, he's at the centre of a storm caused by other people. I'm sure he just wanted to quietly negotiate whichever contract was the best suited for him behind closed doors. And this has become a very public decision for him. I think if there's meat to the rumours that he is going to McLaren, I do wonder about that dynamic because, as I've said on this podcast, I think that Zach Brown has a very specific relationship with Lando Norris. And it's one that I think, in my mind, revolves around Norris. And as for Riccardo, where does he go from here? At the very least, we know that Red Bull, Ferrari, Mercedes, their driver lineup is not changing. And they're probably relieved about that. I think for the first time, uh, Valtteri Bottas is probably not sweating about having a one-year deal. That's probably a nice relief for him. Whether Joe Guanyu is going to get a renewal, I think that he should. He's been very, very good this year. And so I will keep you up to date with the rumours on my social media. I am at Sprint SprintRaceShow for all of them. And as I said, part two of uh, this summer series covering uh, the recent news, the recent driver changes and also a recap of what has gone on for the season so far. That second part will be out just before the weekend in Spa. So as always,